Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks so much for joining me. As always, really appreciate it. This week, I'm speaking with Matt Nuccio. Now... He comes from the world of toy design. I know I've spoken with someone in that world before, um, the actual inventor of Bop It, which I highly recommend you going and checking that interview out. His name was Dan Klitzner, and it was an amazing conversation just about the how do you create Bop It, one of the biggest toys ever. So this is a small community, I'm realizing, in the toy design world. Maybe not small, but at least it's very close-knit because... Dan and Matt actually know each other. They they are in the same circles when it comes to toy design. So we talked a little bit about uh, kind of them knowing each other. Um, but uh, Matt owns a company called Design Edge, and Design Edge does a little bit of everything when it comes to to toys. I'm I'm realizing we kind of talk a little bit about all the different aspects. But he designs toys. He helps others. Um, you know the inventors create toys and get them to market and figure out, you know, prototypes and all that kind of stuff. He deals with the the, uh, the packaging side of toys, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I wanted to, wanted to talk to him because it's just, it's a fascinating world. You know, Dan taught me in our conversation about how toy designing is a totally different thing because, you know, with kids... They're brutal. You you know, it, it'll a toy will last five minutes in a in a kid's hand if it's not a a, a well designed toy. Um, all the marketing in the world doesn't make up for uh, you know just a toy not being good. So maybe you can get them to buy it, but can you get them to play with it long term? That that's the problem. Um, and then also, you know, he he taught me too about how you know being a toy designer, you're creating problems and trying to to uh, have the kids solve them where. Normally in designing and inventing, you're finding a problem and then trying to fix it. So just a different world there. It's kind of a, a cutthroat world when it comes to getting that next toy, getting that next Cabbage Patch Kid, Tickle Me Elmo, um, Bop It, all these type of things. And, you know, let me let me highlight Tickle Me Elmo because uh, Matt actually was, was someone who worked on that one. So... If you're, you know, if you're in your late 30s, early 40s, and, and remember that craze, uh, whether you were buying it for a, for a kid or you uh, were the one, you know, screaming for your parents to get it, that was that was pretty brutal. And uh, and Matt has a, kind of some funny things to say about about that. But I I learned so much from him this week. Just the world of toy design is is interesting. It's definitely not a world I know very much about, and it's not one that, of course, I'm probably going to uh, to jump into at this point. But it's it's fascinating to to learn about whether you're you know someone buying toys for kids now, or you know just remember your favorite kids' toys. When you were young, and and just thinking how that all how that all happened, um, I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. It's it's a it's a it's a cool one. So here is Matt Nuccio. I'm here today with Matt Nuccio. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you today? I'm good. If you would just introduce yourself. Sure. My name is Matt Nuccio, and I'm a professional toy designer. Easy enough. I want to kind of just start at the beginning. What made you? get interested in this world because I've, I've talked to other inventors i've talked to one toy designer one toy inventor before but i know 
that world is just a, a totally different one. So what made you decide I'm going to take these, this creativity and move it into toys? Sure. Well, I kind of was born into it. So my, my father actually started the toy industry in about 1969, working for uh, Ideal Toys and Aurora. Then he was at HG Toys, where I subsequently became a child model on a lot of kid packaging in the late mm. 70s, early 80s. And then the company he worked for was sold in the mid-80s. My parents started the company as a package design company in the garage when I was 14. And I was uh, drafted from day one and mm. continued along and took over the business around 97, 98, and took it from you know packaging and whatnot to being a full-service toy development company where we design toys, we engineer toys, we do the packaging, we do the marketing, we invent toys, we license toys. So we're pretty much a toy company for hire. I like it. And it sounds like you, you said that you, you kind of came upon it because of your, your dad. My dad was, well, still is an attorney and he wanted my whole life. He said, do not get into this. Do not do this. It sounds <laughs> like the toy industry must be a, a pretty good one. If, if he led you right into that, uh, that world. Yeah. Well, you know, when my parents started the company out of the garage, it was very much a sink or swim situation. I was 14. My older sister was in college. And then when the company was born on a fire sale, and he lost his pension and we really had no choice. It was the whole family had to jump in and lend a hand. And uh, I happen to be good at it. You know, and I can draw, I can sculpt. Uh, I guess I've proven that I could be creative over the years since we're still in business and still rocking out a lot of hit toys and it's it it's not like you you know owning a family deli where you know anyone can work the register or use the meat slicer you know you really had to have the talent and and you know I had a little bit of you know trying to establish myself over my father for a little while but not in a bad way but just you know just the nature of business you know yeah so what what's the industry like I know with a lot of retail business and and getting things the shelf space all that kind of stuff I don't even know if you deal with that side but I feel like you know obviously toys sound like it's marketed for kids but that's a new thing every year kids get tired of things I feel like it's a is is it cutthroat is it as cutthroat as I feel like it it probably is I don't know I could be wrong I mean you're absolutely right it's a fashion industry you know yeah. the things pop up they're hit for six months and then they disappear that's uh that's just the nature of the beast but that keeps me very busy so we develop i mean hundreds if not thousands of items a, a year and very few of them make it to market and then an extremely low percentage has a long tail life and you know some will become mega hits but be gone two years later yeah and tell us a little bit about some of those mega hits if you will some of the things that you've worked on Oh, geez. Um, this been very fortunate to have worked on many, many, many a hit. I guess in the early, in my early days, some of the earlier things that we worked on were things like the Power Glove, Tickle Me Elmo, Hogs, uh, then the Texas Hold'em craze, and a lot of urban vinyl stuff with all different sorts of licenses from Run DMC and Blues Brothers to horror film collectibles to tons of board games. Um, Lots, lots of collectibles. Every major brand, uh, from Transformers and GI Joe to Disney Princess and Barbie and Marvel, and it just it, the list just goes on and on. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of huge things. What was it like? I feel like from from what you what you just listed, 
obviously the the big one i think one of the biggest toys ever was tickle me elmo so what was what was that like working on it from the early days and then seeing what it turned into which i think was a lot of uh adults beating each other up over this toy oh yeah nothing's better than making a toy for kids that adults beat the shit out of each other over um i was young i was really early in my career like really early and you know tyco who's the company that who created initially it was a monkey that had the mechanism and they had the they had the sesame street license so we just did a lot of you know design iterations and conceptuals to see what would work best and ultimately it became elmo and you know we had a real small hand in that you know i can't really take credit for it i kind of feel like it's sort of more like being a sound engineer on, on sergeant pepper and not being a beetle you know the listeners have heard from the the inventor of boppet you said that you know him well but we spent yes. a we spent a lot of time because you know we, we focused really on that one one toy so we talked all the way from you know it being a remote control into what it turned into so remote out of control dan clicks yeah. yes yes dan and i have traveled the world together many times we know each other we know each other very well um that's that's an amazing product yeah it, 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 it certainly is and we got to hear from him just how it how it was the entire process of creating that obviously i i you know i, I don't want to focus on just one toy with you so i want to know kind of just in in general what the process of of creating a toy is from you know the start to the end obviously everything's going to be a little different but what's that general process what's that look like well okay it's a great question and not all toys are the same not all toy categories are the same things Things happen differently for for different types of toys. You know, a board game is very different than an electronic game versus like an action figure. But, you know, it all starts off with an idea. And that idea then, depending on what it is, has to be, you know, highly engineered or or just or just streamlined design. So a lot of drawing. So a lot of drawing, a lot of figuring things out, you know, shapes and colors and and you know, perspectives and just typical, you know, playability, making sure it looks cute, makes looks looks fun, or if it has to look cool, it has to look cool. If it has to shoot far, it has to shoot far. So a lot of trial and error. So, you know, I'm very early in the development process. That's people hire me to get the the concept to market. So if if, if it was say something like Boppet, which I didn't work on Boppet, but if it was, I would have been the guy that they would have said, okay, you know, we have this foam core model of of a toy that does this, this, and that, and I'd be the guy who has to figure out what it looks like and what sounds it makes and and how to activate those sounds. I guess I want to focus on exactly where your part of it is. You're in the kind of the early design stage. Do you, you said you help bring it to market? Are you in in that world at all? Because I know you talk about how. Oh you, yes, you, yeah, you, very much so. So the the company has has grown over the years. When I initially got in, as I mentioned, we did package design. Then we started doing prototyping and, and product design. And then I moved to Hong Kong and I opened an office over there where we started sourcing and manufacturing for people. And then as I was manufacturing for more and more people, you know, smaller pe- smaller companies or startups and entrepreneurs would come to me and want to get into the toy industry. And I realized I have tons of connections. So I started lining them up with distribution and sales reps and sales managers and putting them in retail and really becoming the back end to dozens of, of small, medium-sized companies. But at the same time, doing the same sort of development for Mattel and Hasbro and Spin Master and all the large toy companies. No, that's that's really cool. And I want to ask you too about your, I guess, 
process of invention and have you ever invented anything outside of toys? And the reason I want to ask you that, so I've talked to quite a few inventors. And then of course I, I told you about Dan and he made me realize that toy inventing is totally different than inventing anything else because most of the time an inventor, they look at a problem and they try to solve it. A lot of times with toy inventors, you are creating a problem and, and then making the you know, the user solved it. So I feel like it's a totally different world. So have you done anything outside of toys? Yes. Yes. I've, we've, we've done a lot of stuff. We, we work in all sorts of weird packaging solutions, uh, working with major companies like Haynes brands and, and, and variety of coffee companies. My favorite joke, because it's true is our clients range from Hasbro to Hooters. We've innovated in all those different categories. We've also done stuff in housewares and hardwares. And I also sit on the executive board of the United Inventors Association of America, which is the world's largest largest inventor uh, group, which advocates through education. And we, we do shows all over the country. And I just recently got back from the National Hardware Show, where I spent two days moderating and interviewing people from Shark Tank, um, uh, Home Shopping Network, QVC, as well as a lot of direct response t- TV companies, you know, the as seen on TV sort of stuff. And we work in all those categories, but everybody loves toys. So we're, prim- we're primarily toys. No, I, I, I understand that. And you just mentioned kind of TV and researching you. What was, were you on a TV show? What is this thing? It looks like almost like, you know, the great cake bake off, but you're unveiling these toys. What What is this thing you're on? Well, I've been on a few TV shows over the years and, and some in very small pop-up roles like um, like some weird baking shows where they do stuff around toys or uh, American Makers on the Science Channel where you know inventors compete to do stuff. But most recently, you would have seen me on Make 48. That's a PBS show. And the entire season was on, was a competition on of 11 maker teams competing to come up with an idea, prototype it, and then pitch it. So my role there was to mentor the all the different teams and give them advice on how to you know design or thoughts they should have or ways that they should aim their toy ideas and then in the last two episodes uh they had me rebuild the proto a better prototype of the winner's invention so they could pitch it to spin master which is one of the world's largest toy companies i don't know whether it was one of the finalists but the th- the video i was watching it uh i guess drew me in for two reasons one was it looked like there was a toy about a I don't know. I think it was a, a toilet. And, yes. that, and then also they all, the whole team is wearing Purdue gear, which obviously I'm here in Indiana. Was it a team from Indiana? Yes, it was. And yeah, we, we just, they just made a very rough prototype. And then I made, took all the schedulogical humor and made it look really gross and fun at the same time. Mm, well, that's, that's definitely an, an interesting thing. It, it drew me in for sure. And I, I want to ask you probably a, a pretty tough question because I feel like if, if anyone truly knew the answer, then, you know, we'd all be, be billionaires and definitely you would too. Well, hopefully you already are, but uh, what, uh, what makes a good toy? What, what makes a, a successful toy and one that doesn't last for that one season and, and maybe has some longevity to it? Replayability, like how much you want to go back to it and play with it and not just leave it on a shelf and look at it. As easy as that. So I guess it's just, I, I mean, it sounds easy, but of course I feel like, you know, people have been trying to create that for, 
forever. And it's, it's just a small percentage that actually works. So, yeah, I mean, it, 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 again, it's fashion, just like pop music, right? You have to create a song that people are going to want to listen to over and over and over again. And some of those songs you'll hear nonstop for two years and then you'll never want to hear them again. And then some songs become classics that go on forever. You know, how do you, how do you figure that out? Who knows? It's right time. It's right place. It's, it's becomes part of the, the lexicon of a generation and it helps define them. And yeah, nobody has that crystal ball, you know, all the, everything has to fall together at the same time. Yeah. So how, I guess, how good are you at this point in, in judging those things? Have, has there been a lot of things that you're like, this is, has some evergreen potential and it doesn't or vice versa. This is going to be something that just is a fad that's still sticking around. Well, I see people chase that dragon, right? They're, they're trying to create the next pop, the next revolution, the, the next, the next Pogs, the next Pokemon, the next, you know, Bakugan. Really hard to do, and I think next to impossible. So, I mean, I can see the spark of something, but it takes a lot of money to get it in front of everybody. So it, it's 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 got to hit just the right way, you know, and it's just it's. It's next to impossible for anyone to really figure that out because then every major toy company would do that. Even companies like Mattel and Hasbro have massive flops every year. Uh, another comparison would be the, the movie business, right? There's every year they're promoting the the big summer blockbuster, and, and one of them is going to fail. You know, no one goes to see it, everyone acts shocked, and it can kill someone's career. Um, but yeah, there is no crystal ball. You know, the best you can, I just go by my gut. Like I feel like I have what I call the design conscience. If, if if I don't feel like it's going to be good or it's going to be great, I don't know how I'm going to convince other people it's going to be great. So if I get on board early on and it's not really good, I got it's my job to, to, to massage it, to work it, to fix the problems and to get it to a point where I do like it so that I'm proud to put it out there and hope that the consumers want to vote that it's great with their wallet. Yeah, and you mentioned kind of movies and tweaking a question that I ask directors um, what 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 do you think is more important when it comes to these the, the toy industry? An extremely well designed toy or an extremely well marketed toy? I mean, it's it's six of one, half a dozen of the other, right? If it's if it's not a very good good design, it's not really going to have an impact on people. They're not going to want it in their house, or they're not kids aren't going to think it's cool or that it's fun. And if it's not marketed well, no one's going to know about it. The biggest difference between now and the early part of my career is that the guerrilla marketing is far easier to do anyone with a TikTok account or an Instagram account. As long as they can, for no money at all, they can, they can figure out, you know, how to get in front of people and, and get the word out just by being themselves or being charming or figuring out a unique way to promote. And you know, that's been the biggest difference. So, you know, it's, it's no longer so much about how much money they pump into TV ads. So, I think that's a good thing. It levels the field. So what, I mean, obviously you started before, you know, that guerrilla marketing was as, as prevalent as it is. What changes has, has that created for your business? Are you getting into, into that world too? Or, or what, what changes has it created for you? Well, the biggest changes is there's a lot more, well, two things have changed tr tremendously. One being it, like it's easier for people to do that. And the other thing is it's also easier for, for people who have a toy idea to bring it to the market themselves because they can now go to Amazon. They can now go to walmart.com. They, they, they have places they can sell it on their Shopify. They can connect it to their, their TikTok or their Instagram. 
And, you know, if you can get the right team behind you to get every like a like design edge, like we design products and, and manufacture them for lots of little startups too. And then we get them distribution and we line it all up, you know, uh, an inventor 20 years ago had no choice but to license a product. In Dan's day, Dan, there's no way Dan would have invested his own money and tried to bring Bop it to, to market. Uh, I don't know if that would be the case. You know, the modern the modern Dan Klitzner may may say, you know what, rather than get 5% and hope that someone sells millions so that I can make millions, um, I'd rather just do it myself and then I can sell 100,000 and make a million. Right. And I think that's kind of what exactly what he's thinking now. I don't know if you if you know what he's up to now, but on the 25th anniversary, he's created this Ooh, one but, button yeah. buffet that he's selling all on his own. He's not doing it through his company. Who is it? Hasbro, I think. Yeah, Hasbro does does pop it. Yes, yeah. that's correct. Yeah. So I want to ask you now when it comes to the toys you've worked on, and this is probably not a maybe not an easy question, but what's been the most rewarding, rewarding experience, whether it's because of you know, what it created or it just was a fun process. What's the most rewarding toy you worked on? You know, that's a great question that I'm constantly pondering. And it wasn't until like a, maybe a couple of weeks ago that I woke up and one day I'm like, you know why I can't answer this question. It's like you asked me, what was the coolest outfit I ever wore? You know, I, you know, there might've been some days when I went out and I was like, I look amazing. Like, this is so cool. These, And then I look back and I'm wearing giant Janko pants and then looking like a, you know, a total hoodie from the nineties. And I wouldn't dare go out like that now, you know, right. things change. Your perspective changes, you know, that it's on to the next and the best, you know, and you just have to lean it forward. You know, I, I'm proud to hang my hat on some very successful items. But a lot of those items were a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. You know, they weren't so easy. You know, they were or they were hard work and short timelines and and you know a lot of hustle. But you know, we've invented some stuff that I'm proud of, and 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 we've worked on some a lot of things that I'm very proud of. Um, but it's impossible to, to to cite one thing. I guess the generic one would be like, it's so hard to pick a favorite child. <laughs> right. No, I, I I hear that for sure. What's some of the the coolest experiences that uh, you know being in this world has afforded you? Well, I've traveled the world so many times I I don't even know. Um, I've been to, I mean, at one point I started counting, and then once I got over like thirty eight countries, I was like, all right, you know. And I know I was like missing some small ones too. Uh, I've gotten to speak all over the world. I've, I've worked with many celebrities. Um, it's I get to hang out with some really cool people, uh, you know, some of the smartest people in, in the world that are in the toy inventing space. And, and it's a really tight community. So, I mean, we all get together at a trade show or, or, or a conference and, you know, we're all hanging out to, to the, to the break of dawn. We all know each other and, and we're really just, you know, really, really friendly competition and we share a lot of info together and it's, it, it's cool. We, we help each other. It's, it's, it's it's unique in that respect. I love that. And I want to ask you too, you just talked about how you kind of traveled the world and, and in this industry, you, you lived and, and had an office in Hong Kong. We've already talked about how this is a fashion industry. Obviously, the fashion in the United States is totally different than in Japan or in Europe. Is that the same for toys? Do do the what kids like in Europe or, or India totally different than what what uh, United States kids like, or if you good have a good toy, it's going to sell worldwide. That's a great question. I think it comes more down to the marketing. 
So in, in Europe, we're dealing with many different languages and cultures. So yeah, and the market for each one of those countries is very small. So we have to look at it as a, as a, as the European market. So the items have to be able to be marketed and translate into all those different, into the different cultures. So something like a word game, very difficult to do when you're dealing with the Russian alphabet, the English alphabet, and, and the, you know, and the Greek alphabet and whatever, you know, variation of, of, of letters you can think of. So that makes that very hard, but things like wooden toys seem to translate much better in, in Europe. So you'll see a lot of, a lot more high end looking wood sets and, and, and well-crafted stuff. So it becomes a matter of, of what is simple and it can be translated, but well-designed. So they'll go as a market, they'll lean towards the aesthetic uh, more so than the, the novelty of the function. We had a, a, a toy store open here in, in Indianapolis. It's gone now, but it was, it was a European toy store. And that's what I found that it was all just kind of wood block animals and a lot of things that I, I feel like kind of looked old style really. But I, I, I think that's probably just exactly what you just said. It, may, it makes sense for sure there. Uh, I want to ask you when, I, I mean, somebody listening, they're wanting to get into this space. I'm not sure whether it's, it's inventing as a whole or into uh, the world of toys. What advice do you have to people? Well, learn learn the craft, study the craft, listen to podcasts. You know, listen to Huff. You know, you, <laughs> you know, you got to. It's, it's it's education, and 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 also be beware of scammers because there are people out there that that you know will take inventors' money, and that's maybe that's where like something like the UAA comes in. And we just recently started a UAA advisory board. Um, where we, you know, for no money at all, we'll, we'll help inventors navigate their way through the toy industry. We also had the UIA Inspire 100, which Dan made the list this year. Actually, he was uh, one of one of our top 100 people. Um, so you know, just you have to learn. It's like it's like anything else, and and don't be, don't get discouraged by failure. You know, I feel a lot of people people who want to be inventors, they kind of dive in and they think they've got two or three good ideas and that they're gonna that they're gonna they're gonna make it. You know, Edison Nation did a survey and, and I believe it was something like 60% of first-time inventors believe that their invention is gonna yield them five, a minimum of five million dollars. But the reality is something like less than one percent even get a licensing deal that recoups the advance, let alone makes that much money. And it's the more, the longer you're in the industry and the more you get to know it, the more you get to know the players and the companies and, and their personalities and the type of stuff that they do, the better your chances are at licensing something. So, and I guess it's akin to like, you're not going to just like buy a piano and two weeks later, you know, be amazing. You're going to have to really work at it and, and also learn your audience. And, and that was something I didn't know about the toy industry before I talked to, to Dan too. So how much of it is just strictly licensing because obviously a lot of other industries you're potentially selling the the patent of these things is it mostly licensing when it comes to toys i know that's what he does is it well no most companies design their stuff in-house so we do a lot of work for hire world we'll design products like tickle me i'm already making any royalties on that you know i was just somebody who worked on it uh you know and we design entire lines for companies that are just based on some ip that they have some character you know whether it be marvel toys or 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 Disney toys or Star Wars or whatever it needs to be. Uh, but the inventing community is strong. 
and it's tight and there's there is a click there for sure there's a, there's a core group of inventors who 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 have success in enough that they can actually have established companies and they can and they have open door policies with all the large soy companies but the large soy companies also lean on those companies such as mine and they'll they'll give us wish lists and they'll brief us and they'll call us and they'll tell us they got this new property and they'll completely educate us on it and ask us to come back with ideas. Well, novice inventors are definitely working a little bit more in the dark. They may get some access to some wish lists here and there, but you know, you know, between me, you and all of your listeners, some of those wish lists I feel like are just um, sort of placating and just to help spark an idea in a random inventor but it's it's not really increasing their odds that much if they just tell them they're looking for adult party games. You know, it doesn't, you know, that could be anything, you know. Right. So with Design Edge, just so I kind of understand a little bit more of what it is, you're you're not really a licensing, you know, you're not no, vendors that license your your stuff. You you just sell it right to the company or <clears throat> they tell you you kind of are a subcontractor, maybe. Uh, we do both. Actually, so I've invented. I've I've been nominated for Toy of the Year on, on items that I've invented. I have, I have games that have been on market for for twelve years. I have, uh, I'm have lines that are that are coming out uh, with major toy companies that are, you know, extensive lines. Um, we've we've done invented in just about every category, and I've also repped inventors where people who are who want to break into the industry, who you know. I'll, I'll hook up with and I'll, I'll mentor them into getting into a position where they can actually have some success, but I'm looking for, you know, very prolific inventors who really have the, the, the drive and, and are going to take some feedback. And, you know, if I tell them it's, it's no good, they're going to be like, okay. And then on to the next, cause that's what I have to do. You know, you can't harp on something. Not everything works. Yeah. So what do you, I mean, I want, I want you to kind of talk a little bit more about design edge, whether it's, exactly what you do which i think you've done a pretty good job with or just kind of what what do you maybe things that you're not doing yet that potentially the, the future holds for it for you oh, well i like where we're at i'm in a very comfortable position that we are i, I get to see the whole thing through you know it, it's over the years you know starting out it was you know we were just part of a certain part of the marketing which is the packaging and then we sort of went back and sort of doing ideation and then inventing and, you know, then I really enjoy the manufacturing process. And then, you know, having gotten to know so many people, um, you know, connecting the dots, it's, 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 it's fun. I, I like where I'm at. I really, I, you know, I don't know what it is. I mean, what I don't do is I don't ring the doorbell. I'm not a sales person per se, but I don't know if I want to do that. You know, my only sales approach is to be myself and I don't, I don't want to walk into a, Walmart office and try to sell something I don't like. And then it's back to the design conscience, right? I don't, I don't know if I could do that for sales, you know, like have something I just can't stand. I don't want to, you know, force the, the, the square peg into the round hole, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't, you talked early on about how this was uh, something that was kind of passed on to you, at least this, this innovative spirit. I don't know where the rest of your family is now, but, uh, I mean, what 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 do you think they would say? Is your is your father still around? Yeah, yeah, both my parents are still around, and and um, yeah, I mean, the, I just had dinner with my father and 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 two guys that were great toy execs and inventors themselves uh, uh, two, a couple of nights ago. One guy helped bring Trivial Pursuit, and 
win, lose, or draw to market. And the other guy's probably done just about every molded plastic game that you have in your house right now that derived from the 70s and 80s, you know. Um, and it's great to be a fly on the wall and, and just sit down, and listen to these guys tell their war stories and, you know, and, and and try to hone in on like, okay, well, that hasn't changed in, in 50 years, but but this is completely different. And, you know, I, I, I take that education. It's, uh, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting the oral history of the toy industry. And, you know, and I can still, I very much lean on my father for certain things, particularly um, my understanding of manufacturing. So when my father was in the toy industry, they made stuff in the U.S. And he really learned how to, about molding, about process, about how things get done. And he, he taught me that, you know, and we sat through that and, you know, when I lived in China, I could go into the factory and I could I could talk about, you know, mold cycles and materials and, you know, what they're making the molds out of and what kind of process it is and, you know, where to put the 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 seams and, and the injection bolts and, and all that crazy stuff that that I can't find in, in any toy designer my age, let alone uh, younger younger than me. I think it's next to impossible. They just didn't grow up with manufacturing. So too many people now rely on on the factories to figure things out that isn't always necessarily the best way, or they're just doing what they think they're being told to do. And I can change the design and adjust things to bring the cost down or to or to improve the action because I know how manufacturing works. So I'm just as creative with the manufacturing process as I am with the design process. Yeah, and we talked about earlier about just how much that the industry has changed. I just wonder, you said you you sat down with these three guys, how much of the toy industry is really just the nuts and bolts? And how, I mean, how successful could those three guys be right now? Has it changed so much that it's almost kind of left them behind or uh, toys are toys. And if you have it, you have it. It's like anything else. If you have it, you have it. You know, I, I think if, if you're a tried and true, you know, toy person, it's in, it's in your blood. It, 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 you don't want to retire. You don't want to get out. You know, uh, like I said, one guy's still in the industry and he's, he's, you know, he, he represents some factories and he brings in some products and he leads them off to major companies. The other guy, you know, he just sold his company, not even a year ago to a much larger toy company. And now he's enjoying some time off. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, a year from now or two years from now, he's, he's asking me to help him start something new. Mm. I love to hear that. I want I want you to uh, just tell people how they can connect with you. You've been you've been so nice with your time. People are are interested in hearing more about you about Design Edge. How can they connect? Sure. Well, I'm on LinkedIn, so it's Matt Nuccio. It's M A T T N like Nancy U C C I O. That's one way. Or you can email me at Matt at designedge.net. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate you. Well, thank you. You know, I, I enjoyed our conversation. So that was Matt Nuccio. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. You know, I was able to go a lot deeper into the actual just toy industry with Matt. You know, with with Dan, you know, I talked about in the beginning and and creating Bop it. Of course, we kind of focused on that because that is a a force to be reckoned with when it comes to uh, to being someone who created that. So it was really important to kind of go through the steps of how that toy was created. And then we talk a little about, about the market. So I think these two interviews are really good to pair together. So I recommend listening to both of those um, if, if you listen to only two. But uh, hopefully you listen to, to, to all of them. That would be, that would be amazing. Um, but I do appreciate you being here and, and checking out this interview. Uh, if you're not already following Matt, 
All of his links will be in the show notes, the, the link to his website, the link to his social media, all those type of things. urge you to, to follow along. If you are a toy designer yourself or want to be, Design Edge is, seems like a great place to, to potentially you know, talk to him about how to make that happen. That's kind of the, what he does. So recommend that for sure. Uh, if you just want to follow along with somebody doing amazing things and, and bringing awesome toys to the market, then then follow him, him there too. But uh, but yeah, if this is your first time listening here or you haven't yet, go follow us on Instagram, Not In Huff Podcast, Facebook, Not In Huff with Jackson Huff, jacksonhuff.com, a lot of great places. Go uh, go while you're on Spotify or you're on Apple, leave that five star, um, and then also leave a written review on Apple if you would. Appreciate that very much, but uh, I'll see you next week. Take it away, Chris. This has been Not In A Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think, or hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.